And hey, welcome on in to another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell is alongside Mitchell Ballot here to give you the latest in the local, statewide, and nationwide world of athletics. Mitch is going to be back here, man. We're getting a late start, but we're closing out the week, heading into a packed sports weekend. We certainly are, Mitch. A lot of things to cover, go over, preview, however you want to put it. I'm excited. A lot of upsets have happened this week, and our Cavaliers bounce back in game two. I can't wait to recap that later in the show. We'll definitely get to that. And before we do, we want to remind you guys that you can find the show here, obviously, on YouTube. Be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the bell. And uh, you can also find us on our podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. You can also find our website, BigTimeSportsOhio.com. You can find our latest game articles, uh, news stories, videos, game broadcasts. And you can find us on our social media sites, at BTS Ohio on Twitter, at Big Time Sports Ohio on Facebook and Instagram at Mitch Spinell and at Mitchell Bala, pretty much everywhere you can find us on those sites. So Mitch, you know, we're getting into this talk right now where as the weather's starting to really warm up, so are the races for the local baseball and softball standings. We start over in baseball now where some of the games in Tuscarawas County this week were very competitive. We've seen a number of close varsity games coming over here, but uh, I want to see what's going on in the Stark area because we saw Hoover pull out a win last night. We've seen a couple of other teams victorious as well yeah mentioned so since we're recording a little later than usual we're able to recap everything in league play this week unlike a few other weeks so let's recap the games that were on wednesday and thursday let's start wednesday you had six federal league teams in action jackson the team on by this week and a couple other area schools glen oak and green green led one nothing after six glen oak then with a three spot in the top of the seventh to defeat green three to one on wednesday mckinley Hosted Lake at Thurman Munson Memorial Stadium. McKinley handed Lake their second consecutive Federal League log- loss on Wednesday, 5-1. to one. Savion Wilkins going six innings, no runs given up against Lake. The next uh, reliever for McKinley ran into a little bit of trouble in the seventh. McKinley escapes a bases-loaded jam then in the seventh to hang on to that 5-1 to one win. The Perry Panthers pick up their first league win of the year on Wednesday, defeating Hoover 10-6. to six. That's Perry's first league win. So now every team in the Federal League, Mitch, unlike a few years, a few past years, has a Federal League win to show for, which is a big sign and shows you just that the Federal League this year from top to bottom, we've seen a lot of teams come close to wins, not able to pull them out. But Perry now being in the win column in Federal League play shows you this is a pretty evened out conference. Jackson on Wednesday hosted University. University touting one of the top pitchers in the state of Ohio and Evan Shapiro, a six foot seven right-hander who sits 92 miles per hour unofficially had hit 98 in a practice this year. The Kent state signee Mitch, his numbers coming into the game. Unreal. Even last year, he was nine and one with a 0.97 ERA 90 strikeouts and 22 walks had given up two hits coming into the matchup against Jackson on Wednesday night. Jackson's first three batters reached with hits. Jackson hung a nine spot in the bottom of the first inning on Shapiro en route to a 10-0 win over University in five innings. Maslin and Louisville met up on Wednesday for their first of two games this week. Maslin blanked Louisville 9-0. And then Alliance and West Branch, that was a big matchup in or over there. Alliance beat West Branch 5-4 on Wednesday to tie things up atop the standings, both teams then at 4-1. <clears throat> you move to Thursday then, Mitch. Let's just stay with Alliance and West Branch. They met again. Alliance blanked West Branch 10 to nothing in five. They improved to 12 and three overall and now sit atop the standings at five and one overall. West Branch falls to 10 and three and four and two in league play. 
Hoover bounced back and beat Perry 15 to three at Hoover last night. Hoover now five and six, four and four in federal league play. Glen Oak and Green played another tightly contested ball game at Glen Oak last night. Glen Oak two, Green won the final there. Glen Oak improves to eight and three, five and two in federal league play. Green five and seven after the loss, two and four in federal league play. Mitch, how about those pups? The McKinley Bulldogs really have turned things around on contrary to the past couple of years. McKinley goes on the road and beats Lake 14 to nothing in five innings. Nick Hilton went two for four. Uh, Cole King drove in four runs and Tony Wood Jr. tossed five shutout innings on the road at Lake. McKinley now improves to 500, seven and seven overall, four and two in federal league play. That loss for Lake drops him to eight and four overall, three and three in federal league play. A couple other area scores. Jackson played St. Ignatius at Kent State University last night. Iggy jumped out to a three, nothing lead in the first Jackson, then scoring seven unanswered the rest of the way to defeat Ignatius seven to three. They improved to 11 and three overall. You had central take on St. Thomas Aquinas, another big rivalry up here in Stark County central and St. Thomas were tied at two before central scored 11 to pull away and defeat their arch rival 13 to two central now pulls back to 500 six and six overall while St. Thomas Aquinas falls to one and eight and Louisville and Maslin. Meeting for the second night in a row. This one went to extras, Mitch. Louisville pulls it out seven to six in eight innings over Maslin. Maslin with the loss falls to nine and three, and Louisville with the win improves to eight and four. No, I'm really keyed in on that one matchup you have between Hoover and Barry. You had a solid pitching performance in the victory by Mason Ashby, who had nine strikeouts in the game. A complete game performance as the contest only went for five innings as the Vikings racked up 14 hits on the game. You had guys like Zach Broucher, Kyle, uh, Brocker, Kyle Gaudet, uh, Drew Stangelo, Max Hico totaling two hits apiece. And then Ashby only allowing seven hits on the game uh, to drop Perry to one and seven in conference play, two and 12 overall. Uh, as far as the Tuscarawas County side goes, we had a number of great games this past night. We had a couple of ones, including on Thursday, we saw Dover be able to take down Marlington or on Thursday, excuse me, Marlington 13 to one. The Crimson Tornadoes had uh, had six players that totaled at least two hits with Cade McGarry driving in three runs on three hits. Ben Ham had a double Jonah Marks at two singles to match with McGarry at three RBIs apiece. Colin Bruno who's usually been working out of the bullpen for Dover this year, uh, allowed one earned run on six hits and a five inning start while notching a strikeout in that game. And then Caden Bates was able to get a pair of hits together for Marlington while Garrett Martz drove in Mar the Duke's only run of the game. Uh, you also had a couple of other ones here, including on Wednesday, you had Indian Valley have a huge win over Ridgewood uh, by a score of 10 to three. You had Cam Enos hit a, uh, or, uh, in softball rather, he had a, a throw and home run in that game. And then you also have a couple of other ones down the line on Thursday. I mentioned uh, uh, Indian Valley, they were able to beat Ridgewood by a score of four to three as Tanny McCombs two run home run in the top half of the first inning off general starter Cooper Booth proved to be the distance. Spencer Haney nearly pitched a complete game, allowing three runs on seven hits in six and two thirds innings. He struck out nine batters on the game, but he was uh, relieved for by Braden Parsons, who got the final out to seal the Braves victory. You also had in Carroll County, the Warriors of Carrollton pulling out an 11 inning victory over Salem six to five. That was a game in which Isaiah McConnell shouldered eight 
shutout innings in relief of Caden Smith, who got tagged for a couple of home runs early on in the game by Carson Rhodes and Colin Reason for the Quakers. But the Warriors fought back. You had uh, Landon James hit an RBI single off Quakers reliever Lance Bailey in the top of the 11th inning, and then McConnell getting out of a two-out runner on second jam to uh, win the game for the Warriors. And then Bailey was actually working in relief for Salem. He had uh, seven strikeouts, uh, four hits, and three walks, and seven relief innings. So Carrollton was able to grab second place in the Eastern Buckeye Conference standings at 10-2 and overall on the season. Some of the other matchups we had in baseball for this uh, recent stretch of games, you have a number of them, including, this isn't something else, Mitch, Highland threw back-to-back, I said back-to-back, no hitters over Sandy Valley this past week. Now, the Hawks were able to win against uh, the Cardinals on Wednesday by a score or on Tuesday by a score of 15 to nothing. Uh, Will Schleybaugh pitched a no hitter that included 12 strikeouts, while freshman Grady Monogold went three for three with a pair of a pair of home runs and six runs batted in. Then you had later on in the week, the Hawks were able to repeat similar success against a struggling Sandy Valley squad. They were able to win that game as it was uh, uh, Nolan Yoder taking the uh, no-hit performance for the Hawks, uh, striking out five in five innings, uh, with Highland winning 11 to nothing. Uh, Sandy Valley's had a bit of a tough stretch, but they're still 9-3 and three overall on the season compared to their 3-5 and five record in the IVC South. So that's a lot of the baseball stuff right now. In softball, for me, or my side at least, you had uh, a pair of, Wendy Spring Classic games this past Thursday, where IVC squads represented the conference uh, in in this classic, and one of them came away victorious. One of them did not, and that one that did not was the Strasburg Tigers, one of the top teams in the in the IVC this year. They were handed their second loss in the season, six to three, to Marlington, tenth ranked Marlington in the division or in this in the state standings. Mitch, uh, the Dukes had uh, Emma Jackson go three for four with a home run. Uh, they got up six nothing in the game, even though Strasburg cut that lead in half in the bottom of the seventh inning. Uh, they failed to overcome, however, five fielding errors. Amelia Spidel took that loss despite striking out nine for Strasburg, and she also had a triple and a double. Uh, you also had Indian Valley win against Johnstown Monroe as Mia Rose proves herself to be one of the top pitchers in maybe the state. Uh, four nothing was the Braves win over Johnstown Monroe. Rose struck out thirteen batters and only allowed three hits, hit a home run. For the Braves offense, well, G- Gabby Mead and Gracie Hudnall each had a double for Indian Valley. You also had uh, pitching, perf- had solid performances by Canaan Valley, who were able to win again over Newcomerstown in eight innings on Thursday night. The Rockets uh, won despite the Trojans storming back to tie the game at the top of the seventh on a wild pitch by Maisie Baker, who had a great game nonetheless. 13 strikeouts, allowed six runs on five hits. Uh, Kaylee Watson worked the full eight innings for Newcomerstown, did not allow a walk in those eight innings, allowed 15 hits, however, nine runs while striking out a pair. So those are some of the games that uh, we kind of went over for Tuscarawas County. What's been going on on the softball side of Stark? Well, softball this week, Mitch, at least from what we were gathered and, and things that we were sent, uh, a little bit more quiet. Obviously, some of the weather on Tuesday affected some games on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. But Wednesday's results, we had six federal league teams in play. The team that did not have a federal league game this week is Hoover. Jackson defeated Perry at Jackson 3-2. to two. Jackson remains just behind Green in the federal league standings. 
Speaking of Green Mitch, they remain unbeaten in Federal League play. They defeated McKinley 16 to nothing on Wednesday night. And then Lake defeated Glen Oak Wednesday night 7 to 3. So Green is atop the Federal League standings in softball. Jackson just a game behind them. Remember, they will play again later on this season. Could be a chance for Green to clinch the title outright. Could be a chance for Jackson to share the Federal League crown. But there's other games to be played before then, and other teams could slip up. So we'll have to wait and see. And then Wednesday night, the Lady Vikings of North Canton Hoover defeated Boardman 12 to 2. Or excuse me, Thursday night defeated Boardman 12 to 2. Uh, Hoover improves to six and five overall. Uh, in terms of area federal league schools, though, pretty quiet week in softball. Expect to see some more scores coming in over the weekend if the weather and Mother Nature cooperates. No doubt. And I should mention one game before we go to break here. Canaan Valley also had a no-hit performance in softball this week. Madison Kelly had 12 strikeouts and a 10-inning, 5-inning victory, or a 10-nothing, 5-inning victory, excuse me, for the Rockets over visiting Malvern. Kelly only allowed four uh, walks as her only base runners of the game. Drove in a pair of runs on a double and uh, scored a run at the plate. Maisie Baker and Chloe Stuber each went 3-for-3 three three with two runs scored each. So we go now to our next break. We'll have some more news from out the local sports area. We'll also get into Cavs game three between the Knicks uh, coming up tonight. And we'll go over a special segment here and the last one here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's crisis center. Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experiencing a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing, quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partnered with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, 
for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level A. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Vive Auto Sales, located on West High Avenue in New Philadelphia and Cleveland Avenue in Canton, is a used car dealership committed to getting financing for everyone. We give every customer that walks in our showrooms a prime buying experience, no matter their credit score or financial situation. Current inventory can be viewed at www.wefinancenow.com. Check out our Facebook pages for the most up-to-date information about upcoming events and promotions happening at Vive Auto Sales. Get out of the dugout and onto the field with help from Velocity Sports. Velocity Sports is a baseball and softball training academy with locations in North Canton and Canal Fulton. Our new Canal Fulton features 10,000 square feet of training space with six cages for hitting and pitching in a large commercial weight room. Velocity Sports will sharpen your skills and get you in the starting lineup. For more info, go to velosportsohio.com. And hey, welcome you back here to the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Mitch Spinell alongside Mitchell Bala. So, Mitch, you know, we now get into some uh, recent sporting news uh, regarding our, our standings here in Tuscarawas and Stark County. We actually had some breaking news uh, surface really early on this Friday morning as uh, uh, you can find us on our Facebook page, Big Time Sports Ohio on there. You can find it's where you can find our latest articles and, you know, breaking news as well as our website. And we, I saw this come up. It was able to pen an article about it. Uh, we have a new athletic director in the area, actually one returning to the area because he was actually away for a little bit down more south in the state. It is Kevin Yoder who is being tabbed to be the next athletic director of Perry High School. Now, Yoder was approved as the new athletic director on Thursday's local school district board of education meeting. You can find this obviously at BigTimeSportsOhio.com. Yoder, a graduate of Kent State and Salem West Virginia Universities, arrives from Coshocton, where he currently operates as the assistant principal and AD. He was also a former head varsity baseball coach over 26 seasons, Mitch, for Dresden Shry Valley, where he had spent the previous 15 years before resigning last spring. He was also at Coshocton for five years, from 2002 to 2007, and Berlin Highland from 1996 to 2002, where he coached the Hawks to their first ever Division IV state final appearance in 2000. Yeah, Mitch. So we had the story a few weeks ago about Perry not renewing, uh, you know, the contract of then Perry basketball head coach, Mickey Saban. The question was, you know, why? And, you know, we often see this in professional sports, like I had mentioned back then in college sports. And when you bring in a new athletic director, which Perry had announced they were going to do, sometimes they like to bring in their own folks. They know, um, although we still thought it was pretty bizarre with how things played out at Perry and coach Saban after one season, Look, I know for Perry, this is a big move to make and have it done this early. Sometimes you don't see athletic directors necessarily resign from their place until after the spring sports are over, which is, is typically right when school ends, unless you have teams that are playing in the state tournament, which then can leave schools scrambling. So for Perry, 
as we sit here today on April 21st to be able to find, identify, and then hire the next athletic director. That's a big thing. And one that has success and, and coaching history. I always think that athletic directors that have coached before Mitch are able to relate a lot more to coaches throughout their athletic programs. Um, sometimes you don't get that necessarily, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that at all. But when you look at certain things, it's easier to relate with people that you've come from the same background or have the same sort of background. And so having a coach now as an athletic director and understanding that, you know, when he was a coach, there was needs he had, maybe the athletic director at times he was dealing with didn't see those. I think this is really good for Perry because I believe that Perry, um, we saw it a while ago, Mitch, this is an athletic program that I feel like has just kind of been asleep for a little bit. They have tons of great athletes. Their football program is great. They have one of the best wrestling programs in the state. I believe we're only 11 years removed now from Perry baseball, making a run to States. Uh, their basketball team obviously has not had the success they've wanted over the past number of years, but they've had some big time talent come through there. I mean, we're going way back here, but Kenny freeze who then went to Xavier was a very talented basketball player at Perry. Um, they have a lot of athletes in this school. And so I'm excited to see what Yoder can do as he arrives from Coshocton at Perry for the Panthers. Now moving forward. No doubt. It's going to be interesting to see if a former head coach in uh, in Yoder uh, would would be willing to, if given the opportunity, take such a position, regardless of any sport over at Perry. So uh, that we have that story there. We also have the recent story that you can find on our website, BigTimeSportsOhio.com. Sandy Valley was in uh, the looks for a new girls basketball head coach, uh, and it seems that they have found one as uh, Toj Nicholson has been named the new girls basketball head coach, according to a press release published by the school this past Tuesday. Uh, Nicholson was hired uh, by the SV local school district on Monday's board of education meeting. As I just pull the screen up right there. So you have the, the, the information here. Nicholson will succeed former longtime Cardinals head coach, uh, Kevin McBride, who retired last month. He obviously thanked him. Uh, in his uh, thing there, as well as Sandy Valley Athletic Director Garth Evans. And then we shall see if Nicholson can uh, continue uh, building upon this Cardinals program as he's been in a uh, part of the program for over the past 17 seasons, including a stint as an assistant coach during this last campaign. The Cardinals finished 8-15 and 15 this past season and were 2-10 and 10 in the IVC South, which was tied for dead last. So I'm very curious, Mitch, to see if this will be a new, a, what will be a considered a fresh start for Sandy Valley because McBride was there for quite a while. He certainly was. And, you know, you can say the same thing with coach Nicholson. Now, this is somebody that's been there for a while. He coached the boys program for 17 years, uh, assisted with the girls program last season, but now he gets to put his fingerprints on everything as the head coach of the girls team. So there's the familiarity factor, which I think is nice to have a, a lifelong Cardinal as athletic director, Garth Evans said, is very refreshing, but also to have that new presence and maybe a new style of which they want to play. And, you know, uh, Coach Nicholson said, and I quote, regardless of whether it's a practice scrimmage or game, when we walk out on the floor, we want to have an expectation of how we play and compete. So he's already setting that standard of, you know, no matter what, we're going to compete, we're going to practice hard, we're going to play hard. And it certainly seems, as every coach would want to do, he wants to turn things around after a disappointing season for Sandy Valley. And it seems that this was a, a marriage here made that both sides really were looking for to bring home a lifelong Cardinal. And for someone that was there now to slide in with a familiarity factor, I think this is a home run hire for Sandy Valley. 
No doubt. I'm happy you mentioned lifelong there because we have two contrasting hirings. One, uh, a newcomer for Perry uh, in Yoder and compared to a, a guy in-house uh, in Nicholson for Sandy Valley. So we'll take a break after uh, after a few short messages. We'll be back talking about uh, game two with the Cavs and the Knicks. We'll be previewing game three, maybe getting into some other stories here and more right after this in the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216-hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. You matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter, and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. Alt Care. Alt Care, Alt Care. Where you matter. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Employee benefits, although time-consuming and expensive, is one of the top considerations for those making a job change. At Hummel Group, we help businesses craft benefit strategies that align with company goals. Through an emphasis on cost containment, leveraging technology, and benefits administration, we save your team valuable time. Your employees call us with questions, not you. Visit HummelHelps.com or call 800-860-1060. Don't just get insurance. Get Hummel. 
And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Mitch, we have two football-centric things that we didn't have initially, but we're going to get to them later on in the show. I want to get to them right now because we want to, I want to save the other one that's more fun for later. Uh, Ian Rappaport and uh, looks like other sources have just uh, broken out in the last couple of minutes. The NFL suspended five players, including Lions wide receiver Jamison Williams, for violating the NFL's gambling policy. Lions C.J. Moore and Quintez Cephas, plus commanders uh, receiver Shaka Tony are suspended indefinitely for at least one season while Williams and Detroit Stanley Berry Hill are suspended for six games. And I should add on that uh, Rappaport just tweeted that the lions have released Cephas and more uh, more as a safety and Cephas is a receiver. Excuse me. So two guys lost on the, from their teams. Did, did Calvin really teach them nothing, Mitch? I, I just, I don't get it, Mitch. You won. You're spot on. What did that? How do you not learn from Calvin Ridley? The NFL has a zero tolerance policy for this. It doesn't matter who you are. Calvin Ridley just got reinstated after a year. All right. These are indefinite suspensions, which means at least one year. It doesn't mean these guys are necessarily going to be like Calvin Ridley and be reinstated in a year. We don't know the specifics of what they did. Um, I find it odd and kind of think they know some specifics. If guys are suspended indefinitely, and then you have uh, Barry Hill and Williams suspended only six games. This is stuff you learn right when you're in the league, though, Mitch. This is stuff you learn right as a high school athlete, as a college athlete. You know there's a zero-tolerance policy for this thing, um, especially because you do technically have insider information and you can affect the result of games. And there's a reason that the all-time hits leader in baseball is not in the Hall of Fame, and it's because he was betting on himself in Pete Rose. Uh, whether you agree with that or not, because, you know, technically he didn't throw games. He bet on himself to do well, which I, th- I think that's actually kind of impressive. Um, I just don't understand how you can do this after a year and what you saw one of the top wide receivers in the NFL and Calvin Ridley at the time be suspended for over a year. Um, very disappointed, especially for uh, Williams. This is a tremendous talent that we saw at Ohio State and Alabama. Uh, he got hurt and missed a majority of his rookie year. I mean, the, the future looks so bright for him, you know, on the outside now of uh, Amon Ross St. Brown in Detroit, and now they're going to lose him for the first six games. It's just very disappointing. I, I I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know what they did. I'm sure the more details will come out, but th- this really does suck if you're a Detroit Lions fan. Yeah, Williams is definitely the higher, like, name of the five that were in this mix, and, he, and for his sake, he's fortunate he got six games. Uh, compared to his uh, teammates. Well, his his teammate in Barry Hill, they got suspended six games as well. Then Moore and Cephas are not even part of the Lions anymore because they did put out a statement regarding the suspension. It was Lions GM Brad Holmes saying that, they, quote, these players exhibit decision-making that is not consistent with our organizational values and violates league rules. We have just made the decision to part ways with Quintez and CJ immediately, unquote. You can find that uh, quote, by the way, on Tom Palacero's Twitter page uh, for reference. So let's get away from football for a second. Mitch, game two was a must win for the Cavaliers. I said it on the last podcast, man, and that game was like just a baptism from all of all of the, the sins of game one. It felt so, so good to see the Cavaliers play more like not like they're getting bullied off the court like they were in game one. It really was refreshing to see guys like Evan Mobley and Jared Allen get aggressive. Darius Garland was 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 taking shots, let alone making them. Don Mitchell did what he had to do, didn't have his best game, but he didn't need to win a night like this where New York just kind of looked like they had gotten a, a surprise haymaker to the jaw. 
uh, in game two, which I'm very impressed with. And now we're going to, into a game three where I think anything can happen at the Garden at 8.30 p.m. on national television. We're on ABC tonight. We're not on ESPN. Yeah, listen, that's the Cavaliers team I know and love. That's mm-hmm. the team I know you tweeted about after all 51 of the regular season wins that you love those Cavs. And that's the team that we really wanted to see in game one. And Mitch, they were shell-shocked, right? They were not ready for the physicality in New York. They probably thought it would be a little bit easier. I think they thought we have Donovan Mitchell. We're going to let him lead us. They out-rebounded the Knicks 43 to 36, Mitch. They won the boards. They were aggressive all over the floor. Guys came off the bench and played huge minutes. Karis LeVert was phenomenal. But Donovan Mitchell is the reason Darius Garland had such a good game. When you're a superstar, the caliber of Donovan Mitchell, and I mean one of the top superstars in the league, you're a superstar because you can get yours pretty much whenever you want in terms of scoring. But are you a good enough superstar to make other players around you better? And Donovan Mitchell was that in game two because Mitch, he had 13 assists, 17 points, 13 assists, only took 11 total shots. And that's exactly what the Cavaliers needed. And that's why Darius Garland had 32 points on eight of 17 shooting. He was six of 10 from behind the three point line, 10 of 11 from the free throw line and still had seven assists. He was phenomenal. And I'm not saying we need Garland to score 32 every game, but if Garland can get you 20, 25 and Mitchell can do his usual thing. I think the confidence from the game win, game two win. I mean, you beat him by 17. You were practically up 20, almost the entire second half. I think this Cavaliers team has to have a lot more confidence going into New York tonight for game three in Madison square garden than the Knicks could. My only worry is we saw it at the end of the game. Mm. Not a dirty play, not a dirty play. Let me just say, no, Jared Allen also play going to block Julius Randall on a fast break, not giving up, not giving him the free points. What is it? What's going to happen in New York tonight? Because this Knicks team does like to get physical. We know Randall will, I don't want to say dirty, but will try to get his shots in. And you're going to a hostile environment. True. And Randall already said he can't wait to see him in game three. Yeah. What does that look like? Are the referees aware of all this? Do they know there's, are they going to inform both teams? Like there's a zero tolerance policy. You know, if it's anything like what we saw with Philadelphia and Brooklyn last night with Embiid's kick that missed its target and Harden with his offhand hitting another person in the junk is this going to be a policy where if any of that happens these guys are getting teed up flagrants thrown out i don't know i am worried in that regard but at the same time mitch that team i saw is the team i know that they can be for the rest of the series and i don't think the knicks can match it that team that team can take on a number of, of squads in these eastern conference playoffs even the top three that we've been seeing uh so far i mean you mentioned philadelphia up three nothing now over brooklyn which that series is over before it began uh, Boston's going to beat Atlanta. Miami's giving Milwaukee a bit of a run, but uh, I, I, expect, I don't expect that the series to go much longer. Um, as far as that last play, if you know Jarrett Allen as a player and as a person, you're not expecting him. You have to really make him angry for him. Yeah. It's like he's like the it's like a Robert Parrish on Bill Lambeer situation. You'd have to really get him mad to see something like that because he's so baseline, just so level headed throughout uh, most of when he plays. Uh, and by the way, how cold blooded was that TNT producer, whoever it was doing that game broadcast 
that when you saw Randall get down on that one play, cut right to Derrick Rose on the bench. That was when I first saw it. I when it happened, I'm like, are they going to cut to Rose right now? And they did. I'm like, oh no! And then, and then where did it go after Derrick Rose? With right to Tibbs. With Tibbs, right yeah, because that's why that's why I thought it. Because I'm like, oh no, oh no. Because then you, you go to the locker room, Randall, and can the games because the game's over, and I'm like, and you're like, oh boy, oh no, that's 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 not that's cold blooded. He was already coming into the series a little bit gimpy because sure. he missed the last few weeks with yeah, an yeah. But like, I'm, it's why were they out there? And listen, I why was Jared Allen out there. Why were why were our starters out there for as long as they were? Now JB said I didn't want the Knicks to get any momentum. Sure, I get that. But at some point in time, I felt with five to six minutes left, you were up twenty. You would have had to literally implode like never before. Right you pull the guys and he pulled some of them, Jared Allen. And I believe Karis Levert, obviously Levert wasn't a starter, but he did. Start oh, yeah, the yeah. Half. But those two stayed on the floor, but Mitch, we know the, the whole story behind this is Thibodeau playing Derek Rose in a game against Philadelphia. What was that? 22 game. One, it was game one of the first round. I, I believe. Yeah. In a game that was over, it was a blowout and mm-hmm. Derek Rose blew out his knee towards ACL and he was never the same player again. Sure. Obviously, it seems you know Julius Randall's okay. You know, he's yeah, really yeah, yeah. It, it's, just the, it's the oh my gosh, he's done this before. He almost just had it happen to him again. Yeah, in a game that he decided. And, and you can never, you can never expect those things to happen. I understand yeah. the people's thinking of you want to take the risk away as much as possible, so you take him out of that contest. But and, and as far as JB's thing goes, I, I'm always of the belief that right around two minutes. If you have a 20 point lead is when it's over. If you have five minutes there, I've seen teams lose. I, I, I saw a team in my lifetime lose a 13 point lead within 80 some seconds when Tracy McGrady went off against the Spurs. I understand yeah. it's rare. I understand it's not often, but it's possible, especially in today's high scoring, constantly shooting leagues. So I, I think I, I was I was OK with it as long as Jarrett wasn't going out there and getting himself into some crazy situation. But it looks like we'll have all hands on deck for game three which will be again the garden where uh, I mean, I've heard some people talk about, you know, how the potentially the Knicks having some pressure on them to win on the national stage in your, on your home floor compared to somewhere like Cleveland. Uh, You know, it's still, it's still really tricky. And there's a reason why I don't think the stigma is as great as it used to be, but there's still something when we think about when we have to go to New York and you have to go to the garden, it's like, you're walking into kind of a lion's den if you're not on we- wearing orange and white on that floor. Well, you are because these fans are kind of like us. They're they're not as good as fans as us. Let me let me make sure I put that make that abundantly clear. They're they're better. I don't know, man. Those side talk videos, man. No, they get nuts. It's been over two years since they hosted a playoff game, uh, so these fans are going to be hungry. They're going to come out, but Mitch as much as we talk about having home court advantage and as big of a deal as it is for some, the Knicks are below 500 this season at home. Yep. Granted it's by a game, but you mentioned the pressure, Mitch, this is a national televised game on ABC. What is the star power going to look like on the people that are sitting courtside at Madison square garden tonight? You know, Spike Lee is going to be there. I mean, heck he came to Cleveland for game one, but what other stars are you going to see? And not only that, but how many countless 
historic performances have we seen numerous road players drop at Madison Square Garden. I mean, we know as Cavs fans, LeBron loved to go there. Donovan Mitchell likes to go there. We saw Kobe. We've seen Booker. I mean, you insert what NBA, whether it's this season, the past few years, or all time, has gone to Madison Square Garden and had a record-breaking performance or had just a career night. It makes you wonder if the Knicks are going to be able to handle that. And now you add in the fact that Donovan Mitchell, listen, we've all heard it. We've heard it enough. I'm I'm actually sick and tired of them saying he thought he was going to be a Nick, but he turned out to be a Cav. Okay, cool. He's a Cav. I don't need to hear about that anymore. But guess what? You can say, talk about it tonight because he's going home. And I think he's going to want to make a statement tonight. And yep. I thoroughly believe the Knicks are going to either take every other piece of the Cavaliers out tonight and let Donovan do his thing, or they're going to come in with the similar game plan the Cavs had in game two on Brunson of doubling him immediately. But if they do that, I have enough faith in the Cavs after what I saw the other night to where we're going to be able to still score. I just think that the pressure is all in the Knicks. And the thing is, Mitch, and it kind of worries me, 8.30 tonight, 1 o'clock on Sunday. That's a quick turnaround. That definitely favors the Cavs no matter what when you look at the age and the and the youthfulness of this team. But if you're the Cavs and you win tonight in New York, the pressure on the Knicks in not even 48 hours is going to be tremendous come Sunday afternoon. That's fair. And I, mean, I don't know. What, the, what it would be like for the Knicks if the Cavs are able to win this game tonight. That's fair. I mean, I, if it would have been Friday at 8.30 and then Saturday at 1, 1 p.m., that would have been a crazy uh, turnaround. But, um, no, I, I could see where you're getting with that. And then, I don't know. I don't know. These next two games are going to be very, very interesting because game five will return to Cleveland, and we shall see where the Cavs stand uh, at that point. All right, we come back. We have a more fun segment as we round out the rest of this show. We also want to get into uh, clowning a professional sports franchise. Uh, and you'll see what I'm talking about here coming up in just a bit on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experience a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. Are you trying to increase your speed, quickness, vertical leap, and agility? If so, NST Sports Performance is for you. NST trains athletes ages 5 through pro. NST designs each program specific to the athlete's needs, goals, and sports. For more, visit nstsports.com. Locations in North Canton and New Philadelphia. It's nstsports.com. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. Hard work is something you're accustomed to. 
Van Nostrand Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance. Safety and prevention specialists utilize our VanCan assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. You'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzlers.com. Hartzlers Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Think Ferris. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level up. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Get out of the dugout and onto the field with help from Velocity Sports. Velocity Sports is a baseball and softball training academy with locations in North Canton and Canal Fulton. Our new Canal Fulton features 10,000 square feet of training space with six cages for hitting and pitching and a large commercial weight room. Velocity Sports will sharpen your skills and get you in the starting lineup. For more info, go to velosportsohio.com. Turning 65 soon or already on Medicare? Hummel Group can help you explore your options and find a plan that fits your unique health care needs and budget. Our experienced agents provide personalized advice and help you compare plans from top insurance carriers for free. We're here to help you find the Medicare plan that's right for you. Visit HummelHelps.com or call 800-860-1060 to speak to an agent about Medicare. Don't just get insurance, get Hummel. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch uh, Spinell and Mitchell Valla here. Mitch, I want to talk to you about uh, the tradition of college football. Tradition is a big thing in college football, regardless of well, how you see some of the way the conference uh, conferences may be realigning here in the next couple of years. College football is very enriched in tradition, whether it be uh, the 12th man at Texas A&M, play like a champion at Notre Dame, enter Sandman at Virginia Tech. A lot of the looks of, no of college football are very similar. You have the Notre Dame gold and the, and the blue uniforms. The uh, maize and gold of Michigan, say what you want about them. That's a classic look. You have, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, you have the likes of uh, Alabama's simple uniforms over the years. You know, Oklahoma's had the similar look. Texas, similar look. Miami is a new uh, addition. But I do want to give uh, credit to one college football team that decided to make a refresh 
with their look. And I want to give a big shout out to, and if I get it up right here, I want to give a big, big shout out to the Ohio State University for coming out with these brand new uniforms. I think it's a great new start for this team. I think it's a very fresh. Oh, I um, I I, I may have I may have made a mistake here, Mitch. Um, this is not a professional football team the other one right here we have is I, I i'm getting it here right now i have made a mistake folks this is not the ohio state buckeyes this is the arizona cardinals uh new threads that were released last night um but, but if you go to some of their comments here as you look under them you can, might have oh I, I was hoping yep there we go this is the first one that referenced the this there was a plethora of them last night at, at initial jump mitch where they were like saying oh arizona looks too much like Ohio state as they have their new uniforms, um, which they kind of do. I mean, especially with the white and black uniforms, cause Ohio state's really gone into the black era in the last like decade or so. However, I do get what they're trying to go for, which is that kind of pre two thousands look that they were sporting for decades before they tried to rebrand it. Uh, think of like the Emmett Smith days, like his, the, those last couple of years where he was like on the Cardinals and they had very basic uniforms compared to what they had in the Kurt Warner, Larry Fitzgerald era. That being said, they're fine uniforms. Um, I, and I, like, I like the white and black, but then the, the red one, they do what the Cleveland Browns did a few years ago and they put Arizona across the chest. And I'm not really understanding why you would do that, but not for the other two. Is that to like differentiate your uniform from like, Kansas City and Tampa Bay, where they have red uniforms already. I'm I'm not sure. I am so I'm not gonna lie. This is the first time I saw them. I did not see these when they released last really? night. Really? Oh, you didn't see their their big show last night. It was like a fashion show where all the players came out and like it looked like Madden NPCs standing around there trying to hype 20 people in a studio up. It was great. Yeah, no, no. The black ones literally look like the Ohio State ones we've seen. The yeah, they do. Where I mean, I mean that. It looks like they just took anything Ohio State related off them. The red ones don't even look like a jersey to me. I, I it looks like a, a t-shirt. The white ones also remind me of the 49ers uniforms a little bit. The That's white true. Ones they wear. I'll give you that. I, I, I think it works just, better with the white helmet, though. I really like that look. Yeah, I I, I agree 100 percent there, but it's almost like they took uniforms from other teams and just took something off them and made them their own. Um, I'm not a fan of these looks at all. These look very generic and basic. Um, yeah, this is odd. I, I honestly, I didn't know where you were going with this. I thought we were going to give a big shout out to Maryland for putting the script Terps back on their helmet. Oh, um, I didn't see that's that. Just no. a solid look. That's a, a really great look that I think a lot of people wanted to see Maryland do for years. So I thought that's where we were going. If we were being honest. Um, oh. <laughs> wow. Cardinals just stealing Ohio state's black jersey. Okay. I, I like to surprise you. And, and, you know, they are going very minimalist. It's kind of like what I thought when the Cavaliers first unveiled their uniforms this past year, I'm like, Wow. That's a lot of bold. That's a lot of bold color. Not a lot of piping. Not a lot of stripes. Nothing. They're keeping it simple. Great. Um, yeah, but these are a little more derivative of the ones we've seen in the past. But again, it, it could look worse. I mean, it could be Atlanta. I mean, have you seen Atlanta's uniforms over the last two years? I mean, good. I, I, I saw a redesign of those uniforms. I can't remember where exactly I saw. Might have been TikTok. Might have been somewhere else. But I saw them, and I'm like, these are so much better. They look like the Michael Vick era. Not even Michael Vicker, because those ones aren't my favorite either, but they kind of remind me of like the Deion Sanders era ones where I'm like the 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 darker black, the simpler design. Uh, you know, they don't they still have that kind of like modern Falcons logo, but I was like, this looks cool and it's better than ATL uh, over the chest. The chest thing in general, can we just can we just leave 
why are we still trying to make the chess name a thing in 2023? That's what I'm trying to figure out because the Browns tried to do that for years with their Nike first Nike uniforms. It and awful. it didn't, it didn't look great. I'm not saying it looked awful. It didn't look great, but these teams still keep trying to pedal it out. I mentioned uh, Atlanta. Now we have Arizona doing that for the red uniforms guys. There's a reason NFL teams only need the number on the front and the back. You know who this team is. You know it on the side of the helmet. You don't need to spell it out on the actual uniform if it's not going to be very creative. I, do, they, do they not hire, like, creative people anymore? I'm sure they like, do. That's the thing. And, and I don't mean to get on people for, you know, trying to create something out of nothing. And I give them props for that. And I'm sure they're working their hardest. But there are just times where I'm like, okay, I mean, some teams do it better than others. And then other teams do it worse than others. Yeah, this is a this is a flop, hundred percent a flop. I, but it's Arizona, so I mean, can you really be surprised? Because I'm I'm certainly not. My man, uh, don't don't give. I was gonna say, don't give Jonathan Gannon such a hard time. He's doing his best over there in his first year upcoming. I uh, think I heard he might not want to coach anymore after seeing those jerseys. <laughs> so stupid. Anyway, um, the last thing we wanted to get into, we want to have some fun here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. I think we got into discussion. It was either off air. It was somewhere off air or on air, but we were talking here on zoom about um, potential re-expansion or just re-expansion in major league baseball, because I don't remember how the conversation came to be, but uh, the conversation for us came to be what should major league baseball do if they decide to re to expand because they are The reports are in the last couple of months, if not years that major league baseball is kind of looking at some cities to potentially, uh, grow the game in other places because we've been at 30 teams for so long since 1998 was the last time we expanded upon the league and it got me wondering which way would you rearrange major league baseball because of the way that you, you can't keep it at five teams per division uh, three divisions in each league forever because of those two coming in you have to like rearrange it unless you want it to be weird for a couple of seasons so I came up with my own idea for expansion for Major League Baseball and the way that uh, I would rearrange the way that the league is spaced out. Now, I had you do the same thing, Mitch, but I went a step further in that I decided to go the extra mile and make a PowerPoint presentation. I had to redownload <laughs> Google uh, Slides for this because uh, I don't have PowerPoint anymore. Uh, but this is what I have here. I do want to get your look in on this. And uh, if you guys have any ideas of it as well, be sure to tweet us at Mitch Spinell or at Mitchell Bala. So, Mitch, let's start with the beginning. Uh, how would Mitch okay. Spinell would rearrange Major League Baseball for expansion by Mitch Spinell? This is how I did most of my presentations uh, all the way through college. Uh, so this is the way I would set up Major League Baseball if we decided to add two teams for an even 32 like we have in the NFL and does the NBA, I think the NBA does the same thing. No, they have 30, uh, but I think hockey might have the same as well. So this is how I set up the leagues. Uh, you have the American League and the National League, obviously. I've been hearing some talk about if we were to expand, uh, would the league decide to uh, change the leagues that they've been uh, had since uh, the turn of the 20th century? I personally don't believe you need to. I think mine is very simple. You don't need to move around many teams. You, need, you don't even need to have teams switch leagues. Because that's been a big talk about if they potentially expand. So I think you keep it simple. You have two leagues with four divisions. And you go the NFL way. You have East, North, South, and West. We currently stand at East, Central, and the West. Kind of similar to what the NFL used to do. Remember the Browns 
and the Colts, I believe, were in the central at one point before they ended up moving uh, to their respective divisions following NFL expansion. So I think you keep it simple here, east, north, south, and west. People know all those directions. And you start off here in the American League. Let's take a look at which teams I would keep in a four-team American League East. And I want to go through yours as well as we go throughout this entire thing. So be sure you have your papers ready as I reach for my papers here in a second. And there you go. So the first team on the list in the American League East, it's going to be, be pretty simple here throughout the next couple of picks. The first one I have is the New York Yankees. They are a staple of the American League uh, since 1903, your favorite team, and as well as the ALE since 1969. They're one of the most Eastern coastal teams in Major League Baseball, so it makes sense for a team like the Yankees to remain in an Eastern-centric division. Uh, Mitch, what are your thoughts on this? That is a team I kept in the correct division. I actually also kept my divisions labeled as East, North, Central, and West with going to four divisions. So we're on the same page there, but I do have the Yankees staying in the AL East. Oh, so you you went with a different way. You went North and Central rather than North and South. Correct. I just feel like you really, with how I had my team structured, I couldn't really call it South because a lot of these teams are still in the Central You'll see when we get there. Oh, I, no, I, I understand. Uh, I understand. And feel free, by the way, to make any suggestions or comments or criticisms along the way, because I'm trying to workshop this as well as the viewers are as well. But I'm sure the viewers who are listening, who are watching or listening to this are going to be thinking to themselves at a couple of these upcoming ones, like, what is he doing? So the next one I have here in the AL East, no surprise, the Boston Red Sox. He's one of the OG American League teams <clears throat> since 1901. First American League champion, first winner of the Modern World Series. It made sense for me to keep them in there. You want to keep that rivalry between the two. I don't want to see these guys break off and lose so many potential matchups that they have between the two. Now, the third team I have on this list, based on and a lot of this is based on geography, the Baltimore Orioles, another OG East member, and they are the third most Eastern located teams in the American League based on latitude and longitude. Now, the fourth one I have here, between two teams that we currently have in our modern AL East, and I went with the Toronto Blue Jays, the only Canadian team in Major League Baseball and the first new expansion team to the AL back in 1977. Now, I will disclose before I get to the end of this list, I did not have the Montreal Expos as one of the two expansion squads. I really wanted to, but I thought it might get a little too clogged up in that far eastern part of Canada to where Montreal is just above of like your New York's or Washington, D.C.'s. You, you could literally make a beeline south and make and hit one of those cities. So I wanted to do that. But if baseball is going to, to expand into Canada again, I feel like they might try to go to one of the more Western part, uh, uh, municipalities, such as Vancouver. Uh, I could see them maybe even trying uh, maybe Winnipeg. Um, that being said, I think that Toronto is set with its one team for now, or Canada is set with its one team for now. So then we go over to the North. And by the way, I assume those are all the four teams you have in your East, Mitch. That is correct. I have all four of those teams in my East. Okay, so we have the four. We're, we're pretty similar there. Then we go over to the American League North. This is where we start to break off from the traditions of current Major League Baseball. Now, I will start off with uh, the Cleveland Guardians, who are a charter American League franchise uh, that were uh, expanded after the Cleveland Spiders of the NL disbanded in 1899. They moved to the American League Central in 1994 after spending most of their time in division play in the East. So that made sense to me. Keep them in there. They're pretty. They're a pretty Eastern Midwest team, so to say. Uh, I assume you have the Guardians, and you like you're either your Central or your North division. 
The Guardians are in my North Division. Okay. So we're basically, I think we're going to have similar answers on this as well. So my next team in the American League North is the Detroit Tigers, another charter AL franchise. Not for the Central, however. They were in the East for quite a while with the likes of New York and Boston. However, when in uh, 98, when the Rays came into expansion, Detroit volunteered to move into the Central, which makes sense. I mean, Tampa Bay is more on the Eastern side than Detroit is, but, you know, kind of took us away from a couple of good matchups there. Uh, and then I have the Chicago White Sox, another Midwestern squad, another charter AL and central franchise. And then finally, the Minnesota Twins. I mean, it, it seems like you want to keep these four central teams together. I know I have one team left out here from the traditional AL central. We'll get to that in a minute. Thoughts on these, Mitch? Any differences, similarities? Mitch, we have a lot of differences here, actually. Mm. If I Okay, I want to hear these. So the Guardians and Tigers are staying in my AL North. Okay. We do have a team moving over leagues as well Ooh. as a new team joining baseball. All right. And it is the first of two teams joining the MLB to make it the 32 team league. So uh, what I've done here in the AL North is one team. I have two teams from each league moving leagues. Okay. And two of them, I think make sense. Uh, one was already there and that's the Astros. We'll get to that when we get there. The Pittsburgh pirates will okay. move from the, National League to the American League and join the American League North. And then the newest franchise that belongs in Nashville will join the American League North. Wow. Uh, I was okay. The Reds, but I think the Reds and Guardians staying separate. It's unless you're California or Texas, it's hard to have multiple teams in one state in the yeah. same league. Mm -hmm. You see it in New York already. Uh, so that's my re and Chicago or Illinois, excuse me. That's my reasoning there. So I have Nashville gaining a expansion franchise mm -hmm. and they will be fourth team in the American league North. Now the name, not sure which way I was leaning. I looked up a lot of facts, um, <clears throat> the Nashville blues, but that's a hockey team in St. Yeah. Louis. I don't know if you want to copy that name. I don't know if you can go with their state mockingbird, their state bird, which is a mockingbird. I don't know how that one would go over. I mean, we see a lot mm -hmm. of bird logos in baseball, uh, their state animal is a raccoon. I don't think you could be the Nashville raccoons. That doesn't really seem like a great uh, animal. So then I said, you know what? What else is around that area? The Smokies, the Nashville Smokies. Mm. And it would be a bear logo to represent the Smoky Mountains. I just thought that's kind of the most basic I could get. I'm sure there's something else out there. Uh, you could be the Nashville Patriots or Americans because their state flag is red, white, and blue. Um their state fish is a bass. I don't think you want to be the Nashville bass, but I, they just, when it comes to States, there wasn't really anything that popped out for a reasoning behind the name. So I'm sure somebody out there in the audience can give me a better name, but uh, for now, we're just going to go with the Nashville Smokies. I will save my name for when I get to Nashville here in just a bit. Cause I, I, I will admit I do have Nashville as one of the expansion franchises. So you had Cleveland, Nashville, Pittsburgh. And then what was the four team in your, in your AL North Detroit. Okay, so Detroit. So we have the two similar teams and then two big differences there. I cannot wait to see where Chicago and Minnesota ended up on your side. So then we go over now to the American League South. The South is where I might start to lose some people because there are some teams in there where you're thinking, South, what are you doing, South? What are you thinking here? I think I think the first team is uh, one of those teams. And uh, no, there is not. It's the Houston Astros. This is a team that makes sense for me to go into the South. You have them as one of the, the most the southern team in Texas. They are formerly of the NL Central before they switched over to the American League in 2012. They are the third most geographically southern team in the United States. So for me, 
I didn't want to split up Texas and Houston from divisions, but I thought to myself, okay, that could kind of make sense. You know, Texas plays a little more towards the West. Houston plays a little more towards that sort of Southeastern part of the United States. To me, I think this works. Um, but I'm curious as, as to what you'll be saying here later on in a second. I wonder if the next team is going to be the one where I'm like, yeah, okay, no, this is the one where uh, it also makes sense to me. The Tampa Bay Rays, you take them out of the AL East, you put them in the AL South because of the second most geographically Southern MLB franchise and the lowest on the totem pole, not in terms of quality, but in terms of location among AL teams. So for me, I mean, Tampa Bay, they, they kind of feel so ways away from the remainder of the East squads currently where you're as Toronto and uh, Baltimore and New York and Boston. If you could take them, if you could split them off and have them in their own thing, I think it would make sense for where I'm going to put the remainder of these squads. Uh, but that's just my opinion. So the third one is, yeah, this is where I'm going to start to lose some people. The Kansas city Royals. I am aware that when you think of Kansas city, you think the Midwest Kansas city is probably the most smack dab in the middle city in the country currently. However, they used to be a part of the American league West up until moving to the central back in 1993. They are the most geographically Southern American league franchise among teams considered in the American Midwest. So if you had to take a team from that area and kind of just push them down a little bit more, I think Kansas City is the way to go there. Uh, I, I, I like to get your, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts in a second, Mitch, but I have to get to my fourth team because this is where the expansion team comes in. It is the team in Nashville and it is, or excuse me, not Nashville. No, I'm sorry. This is my other expansion franchise, the uh-huh. Carolina Pilots. I am bringing baseball to the Carolinas like Major League Baseball has not. Uh, I think this will add to the Southeastern demographic that Major League Baseball is sorely lacking in besides Tampa Bay and Atlanta. I think you can name it based on the Wright Brothers' first flight from Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. You can't name a team the Kitty Hawks, so you name them the Pilots, which, by the way, that is actually the Seattle Pilots logo from that one season they played before moving to Milwaukee in 1970. So I just took that. I added some Carolina script on it, and that's that's where I think Major League Baseball should expand to one of the two spots. So I just spoiled both of them before I gave them away. Uh, Mitch, thoughts on the expansion team? Thoughts on the four teams that I kind of just mashed up together? I like the expansion team. I wasn't sure where where you were going to place a team after you had admitted it's not going to be Montreal. Um, I had a couple of guesses. Carolina was not one, but I don't hate that at all because I do feel like the East Coast Southern East coast is kind of bare without baseball. Yep. Um, I guess if anybody's going to argue it, they could just say there's tons of college baseball, but at the same time you want professional baseball there. Um, my division here is going to be way different than That's yours. Here. I love it. So this is my actual AL central division. Um, yes, we have one team in your graphic here and one team in mine. That's the same. That's the Kansas city Royals. Oh, okay. In the middle, they are central. So they're in the American League Central Division. Geographically, it got a little tough here with how I wanted to work things out, but mm-hmm. joining the Royals will be the Chicago White Sox. Yep. The Minnesota Twins. Sure. And the Texas Rangers. Ooh, okay. So three Midwest teams and one team in Texas. I like that. Yeah. I, I wanted to split up uh, Texas and I thought, you know, with looking at the Twins, the White Sox, the Royals, keeping some basic history of the game involved with the likes of the Cardinals and the Reds, and obviously you're not going to have the Cubs and Sox in the same division. Uh, I felt the Rangers would be a good team to kind of move and thrust into the central 
um, because I'd already alluded to it earlier and we'll get to it later, but I did move the Astros from the American League back to the National League. Mm, okay this is interesting to me because that was something that i did consider because houston is such a young american league franchise in terms of long and how long they've been in the american league but that's that's interesting to me and i'm I'm still surprised that i kind of kept them there but i think i'd made uh, a decent decision in doing so so we have those four teams in my american league south we have the astros the rays the royals and the pilots which doesn't sound right on first glance but to me i thought you know what if you have to work shop this in this way I think it works. All right, American League West. I think we're going to get back to more traditional picks here uh, with one exception. So the first one I have here is the Los Angeles Angels. Obviously, uh, part of one of the two L.A. teams uh, in that metropolitan area, a charter AL West member back in 1969, as I almost dropped my notes again, as the Carolina Angels. Next team on the list, the Seattle Mariners, the most northeastern of all Major League Baseball franchises. Uh, They're also an expansion member of the West in 77. And then the third team, pretty similar. Texas Rangers. They used to be in the AL East when they were the Washington Senators expansion team from 1961 to 1971 after the previous Senators team moved to Minnesota and became the Twins, uh, and they moved to the AL West in 72. Now, you wouldn't think mine's very different, Mitch, but it comes with a disclaimer. My pick uh, for the fourth team in the AL West is the Las Vegas Athletics. And the reason I say Las Vegas Athletics is because I think Oakland's days with a baseball franchise are numbered. We just saw uh, the reports that came out within the last, what, 24, 36 hours that uh, A's ownership is planning to buy land in in the Vegas area for a new stadium, and they potentially move to there as soon as 2027. Uh, So unless that reverse strike that the A's fans are reportedly planning on really comes into fruition, I don't think Oakland's going to have a team for much longer. And you keep them in the West a little bit more East in that Vegas area that major league baseball could uh, expand itself into. And I'm sure some people got to this, you know, segment of the show and said, why are these guys talking about it? It's because the news came out this week, Mitch, that the Las Vegas A's are as it stands looking like they're going to move to Vegas. You know, the agreement and news came Wednesday night. Uh, They bought, 49 acres of land near the Las Vegas strip to build the uh, intimate ballpark. The A's have coveted, but the Bay area and San Francisco or, or Oakland, you know, would not allow them to build. And it's, it's sad because they've already lost the Raiders in, mm-hmm. in the area twice um, at the same time, when you're not going to help a team that is so desperate, when you look at that stadium and fans, they really don't have many options. And so the A's are going to join the Raiders and move to Vegas um, and so, yes, keeping them in the American League West seems like the right move. I agree with you there. Um, I'm going to be very interested to see, you know, when this would actually happen. Reportedly, the stadium would be incredible, much like the football stadium out there, uh, Allegiant Stadium, I believe. So we'll have to wait and see. My American League West is kind of like yours. Mm-hmm. I have the Angels, the Mariners, the Las Vegas Athletics. And this one is probably where I'm going to get a little heat. All I right. told you to move two teams from each side. There's some history here, so I know it. But I moved the San Francisco Giants from the wow to the American. Oh League. my goodness! And the Giants will be joining the American <laughs> League West. You just took out one of the top National League rivalries in baseball history, man. <clears throat> Doesn't mean it still can't be played, Mitch. In, that's true in the World Series, but that'd be a it's it's like Ohio State and Michigan playing the national championship game, well, which no, that's out the window now too. Don't forget, 
like with how baseball is scheduled is this year, mm-hmm. everybody plays everybody yes. in the season now. So the yes. rivalry can still be there. And I almost think yeah. that with dwindling down the games in the division this year, it makes the rivalry almost a little bit sweeter hmm. because you only get X number of series versus them now instead of what I believe it was between 19 to 21 games a year. Right. Um, and so now moving them across leagues, you'd still get that rivalry, but it could be for three to four games a year, which would make it even more sweeter and provide a little more bragging rights, I think. That's an interesting one. I, I like to get the people's thoughts on if San Francisco should switch leagues. I mean, that's a very, uh, that it, you, you kind of, you didn't, I don't know if you completely sold me on it, but you made me go from a guy that's like, what is this guy doing to like, okay, I can see where you're getting with that. Uh, so that's the American league we have for both of our sides. We now go over to the national league East where I think most of my picks are going to be pretty similar, except for one. I'm going to start off here with the traditional National League East franchise in the New York Mets, a charter member back in 1969. They're again, like the Yankees, one of those Eastern coastal teams. You can still match the two sides up potentially in the world series. Like we've seen in 2000, uh, you don't lose some of that luster of the rivalry there because really Mitch, I think the only league that has strong in division rivalries is the NFL. You don't see, like you have like your Cowboys commanders, 49ers and uh, Seahawks, um, Patriots, Jets, Browns, Steelers. Most of those uh, Browns, Bengals. Most of those are in divisions, but the rest of the league, it's kind of like one team's in the in the one, one team's in the other. So you get that potential matchup in a World Series as compared to a a conference championship or a conference finals. So that was my logic there. Uh, we also go over to Philadelphia, where the Phillies will remain in the NL East. Uh, they were one of the classic eight NL uh, franchises in the re- in the modern structure back in 1900 and in the NL East in 1969. And they are always uh, in all sports, Mitch, you always see them among like the Eastern or Atlantic division teams in all professional sports, basketball, hockey, football, anything. All right. So you have Mets and Phillies, another one that's uh, traditional, the Washington Nationals. I think Washington remains pretty solid in where it is in the East. Uh, they were a charter NL East franchise when they were in the Montreal Expos. And again, Beeline right from Montreal, D.C. This is an interesting one, and I do have logic behind this. This isn't just me being like, oh, I think they would make sense in the year, so uh, they should go here. I'm taking a team out of the Central, and I'm going to put in the Pittsburgh Pirates in the East because they're very Eastern-sided like Philadelphia. They are a former NL East franchise from 1969 to 1993. Now, there was a very interesting scenario where I believe in 93, the Atlanta Braves were initially going to be moved uh, to the NL Central, if I'm not mistaken, uh, to to accommodate for the expanding teams in uh, Florida and the other ones escaping me at this time. But the Braves wanted to remain a rival with the Marlins in the division or my, was it 98? I can't, I, I have to like look, click on the story, but basically they wanted to remain in division. So they decided to move the pirates to the central and the pirates have kind of made some attempts to try and get back into the East for a while. And they've all failed. I think this could be a very interesting one to pit themselves up against Philadelphia, to pit themselves against some of these Eastern teams in here. And I don't know, maybe it could give Pittsburgh more of a fighting chance rather than taking on some of the likes of St. Louis and Chicago and Cincinnati and Milwaukee. I mean, to me, it's, I I think it makes sense. I'd love to get your thoughts on it though. I really like how you did this, Mitch, because it makes me feel better for something I did later that I was nervous about, but you kept 
contrary to my other comments, you kept two teams in the same state in the same division, mm-hmm. which I said I wasn't really for that, but right. I did do it later in, in another division here. So it makes me feel a little bit better. I like that. Mine's going to be a little bit different. Um, and it's just more so based on what teams we brought into baseball, what cities, you know, got baseball. But uh, I have no issue with that being the National League East because I actually have three of those four teams. I have the Mets, Phillies, and Nationals. I think uh, those, the Mets and Phillies always playing so close. You have to keep that rivalry much like you do with the Yankees, Red Sox, the Nationals. They're just kind of, I feel like the National Orioles were just kind of just sitting there and where do you move on? Yeah. So you kept the, the O's in the East, you're going to keep the Nats in the East. I told you the Pirates are in my American League North because I'm bringing back the Montreal Expos. As my oh, okay. So you, you've committed. I like that. The Montreal Expos are my second expansion team, and they will go and obviously be placed in Montreal, Canada, and they will join the National League East in my division over the Pittsburgh Pirates. I like that you brought him back. I like that you're giving the city a second chance. Um, yeah, I just think for me, it was like there were so many East teams, especially Northeast squads, that I wondered, could you fit Montreal in there? I think you're finding a way to do so. And I should mention, too, you mentioned the thing about me putting similar state teams in the same division. I think it really applies to if they're in the same uh, conference side or league side. If it comes to, like, I mentioned the Yankees and Mets things, I don't want to see Yankees and Mets in the same division, and we'll get to that here in a little bit after we're all done with our picks. Um, But, yeah, I I think, to me, it makes sense. If you're farther distance away uh, in in a big, in a considerably bigger state, then I think it makes sense, which kind of goes against my logic here for the National League North. Because my first team that I'm listing in the National League North is the Cincinnati Reds. They are an OG NL franchise, one of the OGs back in 1890. They used to play in the NL West because back then anything uh, West uh, was basically West of the Mississippi River. Um, But, you know, obviously, if it wasn't California, it was Cincinnati. So they've expanded since then. So they're a current NL Central club, uh, also an NL Central team that stays in the North, the Chicago Cubs. Another charter member, they match up with the White Sox in the AL North. I also didn't want to split them up into divisions, too. So it's like I didn't want to see the Cubs play in the North and the White Sox play in the South. I wouldn't have, that, I wouldn't have sat right with me. So I'm going to put those two teams there. Third team, St. Louis Cardinals, another charter team. Uh, they're east-leaning. To me, trumps the more southern location compared to the Royals. So that's where it gets tricky. The Cardinals remain in the north while the Royals go over to the south. Um, but St. Louis is kind of more so closer to those Midwestern teams compared to Kansas City, at least for me. Now, the fourth team I have here in the north, no surprise, the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, Midwest to a fault. Former member, this is a team that got passed around in, in the American League. They went from the west to the east, to the central, and then they got moved to the National League Central in 1998. Um, so, yeah, that I, I think that might have been where the Marlins-Braves um, thing might have kicked in. I have to read up on that story again. Uh, so those are my four teams in the north. How similar are they to your uh, north division? Uh, so people are going to get on me for this, and they can just get off my lawn because this is how I wanted to make baseball. Uh I don't have a National League North. I know, I know. I have. Oh, okay. I actually have a National League South instead. Okay. Um, And yes, people are going to get on me for this too, because there's one team, they're not Southern. Well, get over it. They were the closest team to join the other three. So um, my National League South, Mitch, in, you know, opposition of your North, the Atlanta Braves. All right. The Miami Marlins. Yeah. New 
or team switching leagues alert, the Tampa Bay Rays. Sure. And the Cincinnati Reds. Okay, so you're moving Cincinnati to the National League. Okay, or Tampa Bay, excuse me. Yeah, Tampa Bay is going to the National League. Um, I know the Reds obviously aren't south, but when you looked at how I did everything else, the Reds were pretty much the closest team to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not that. There's no time change is the big thing in terms of travel. Um, Mm. Obviously, all those teams are still in the same Eastern time zone. Um, You can do direct flights from Cincinnati to Atlanta or, you know, Miami or Tampa Bay, whatever it may be. The Reds, to me, were actually one of the harder teams to figure out where I wanted to put them. And so that's why they joined the Braves, the Marlins, and then the Rays, who moved from the American League to the National League in my National League South division. That makes sense. I could see that. Um, Yeah, I mean, it it is kind of a a different amalgamation. So you're basically going, you have two East divisions, two West divisions, uh, two Central divisions, and then you have North, one North and one South. I'm assuming that's how you went about it. Yep, exactly. That's what I thought. Okay, so we have that. Uh, we'll go to my National League South here, where I think I'm going to have a, a lot of the similar teams that you had here with one that I think is going to get a woe. One is, that's not or one that's not going to get a woe, as I almost spoiled there, was the Atlanta Braves. Formerly of the NL West, they were supposed to move from the Central. Here it is. They were supposed to move from, to the NL Central in 94 after expansion, but they wanted to form a rivalry with the Marlins. Uh, because they're kind of close to each other in that southeastern part. So Atlanta and Miami. Uh, Miami is the most geographically southern franchise in all of baseball. They're the one that's lowest on the on the on the locations there. So it makes sense. You know, these two teams make sense to go into the south. My third team to go into the south, Arizona Diamondbacks. Look, I'm I'm aware that Arizona really plants itself far north on the on the map of the United States. This was a, an expansion team to the west. They are the second most Eastern of the West teams on the map. They're also the second most Southern of all NL, AL or NL West squads. And if you really think about it, Mitch, I, I understand the thinking of, well, why would you pit them so uh, against teams that are so far away, uh, like the, uh, with the likes of Atlanta and Miami. But if you look at some of the locations of some of the West squads compared to say Seattle, Arizona fits off pretty well between Atlanta and Miami. Those travel uh, uh, distances range from about 1600 miles to about maybe 2000 miles compared to Seattle where it can get really, really crazy at points. So I think that's the one where I'm going to get a woe. I know it's the one where I'm going to get a woe, but uh, I, I, I want to, if you, if you think my logic is off, I'd love to hear your explanation for, because I think I need to workshop. This is the one I think I need to workshop the most out of all the picks I've had so far. I would say yes, in, in terms of workshop the most, I can't sit here and say you're wrong because this is how we would just do it. And the reasoning there that you explained is actually not that crazy. I'm just not crazy about it just because of the time change and time zones. Yeah. Obviously you're going to have a couple that have to do it. Um, but I, with where I threw Arizona again, I felt like it made the most sense, but I'm intrigued to see who your fourth team is now. I think oh, that's yeah. really play a factor. So my fourth team, I think, also played a part in this, too, because they're not as uh, uh, pitted down in the South like Atlanta and Miami, but they're still considered that part of the United States. And they also wouldn't fare poorly against um, the distance from the, from this place to Arizona. I have the Nashville Stars. Nashville is my second team, as I mentioned previously. This is a proposed Major League Baseball expansion franchise with a name that was already picked out by the potential ownership group that's trying to get this team through. Uh, the star's name pertains to uh, Negro League teams that played in the Middle Tennessee era back, era back in the day. 
they could also connect to the city's country music scene, the Broadway scene. Uh, I, I think it could be a very interesting, albeit sort of generic kind of image uh, and identity for a Nashville baseball squad. One of the highest growing metropolitans in the last 10 years in the United States could really benefit from having not just a football franchise, but a baseball one as well. I had a feeling that's where Nashville was going to be. Yeah. Uh, I like the name, by the way. Let me start there. Thank right? you. Because I was absolutely dumbfounded on what to put the Nashville team as, bringing them into baseball. I could probably do the math here and figure out who you have left, but now I'm intrigued to see who's in your West compared to mine. Um, because this is this is pretty intriguing. Uh, I'm interested. The, the Diamondbacks has thrown me off a little bit. I know. But at that's... the same time. Yeah, it's allowed to. If they can move to New Orleans, it would be perfect. But you can't have New Orleans Diamondbacks. Yeah, and then you—they probably have to be the most rained-out team in baseball, considering New Orleans is so down. They'd have—they'd have to play. They'd have to move their games into the Superdome. Uh, so, what? What are your yeah, South teams, I mean, by the way, or Central teams? I should mention. Yeah, so this this would be my my National League Central. Here we would have some tradition staying in there. Actually, we would have four Central Division teams back together again. There you go. I would have the Chicago Cubs, the Milwaukee Brewers, the St. Louis Cardinals, and the Houston Astros all playing together. Okay. This is so where I move the Astros back to the National League from the American League, and they rejoin the National League Central Division. So we would have the, the yeah, yeah, we would have the Central yeah. we had growing up, except you would take Cincinnati out and put them uh, in your NL South, so to say, which is which is okay. where I'm getting. At. Okay. Uh, very interesting. I, the only thing I can think of is that very interesting that you have. Houston in the central division compared to see and that, and that's fine. We're workshopping this. Um, and finally the West, I mean, mine's pretty basic. It's for the teams you already know uh, the giants charter member, one of the two California teams, first two LA is another one of them. Uh, San Diego, the third one, and then Colorado, which I know that Colorado is technically more East than Arizona is, but it's definitely less South. It's more Northern compared to Arizona which is, was my logic because I wasn't going to put Colorado in a Southern division. You never see Colorado in the South. You always see them in the West or in the Midwest, so to say, or the Northeast or Northwest, so to say. I, I wasn't about to put them in the South, so I'm going to keep this central hub. And also because Arizona is the youngest of these four. Colorado came in in 93. Yeah. Arizona came in in 98. So I'm like, hey, if you're going to take out one team, make it the youngest one with no real rivalry compared to the likes of Giants Dodgers or Dodgers Padres, you know, that, that was my logic. No, I, I agree. And listen, mine would probably be the same if I didn't move and shuffle a couple of teams around, but I have the Dodgers Padres uh, Rockies and the Diamondbacks staying in the national league West, obviously, because I moved the giants to the American league West. Um, but for the most part, I feel like we were pretty similar in a lot of these teams where we aligned them. I think it just ultimately came to where were we adding the new teams and you chose the Carolina. Did you, did you say which state it was going north or south? Uh, I, I think I think I'm going to go with North Carolina because Charlotte is the most metropolitan among the, among both states. I know you could have your likes of like Raleigh. I know you could have your likes of um, uh, what's a, what's a southern Car- South Carolina city sort of Columbia, but Charlotte. When you think of Carolina cities, you think Charlotte, and Charlotte is the one where uh, the Panthers play, where the Hurricanes play. That's the one that can house all these teams. So, I, or that's where the Hornets play. That's so I'm going to go with Charlotte in there, and they'll become the newest team with four professional sports franchises because I think they can hold that. 
And listen, the divisions might not look like this, but folks, this is what baseball is probably going to look like here in the near future. They're probably going to go to four divisions with four teams if they add two expansion teams. I mean, it's been talked about now for a few years. We'll have to wait and see. It's a lot of groundwork that the MLB would have to do. Um, I think it'd be extremely interesting. I don't know how the, I was trying to think how I do the playoffs, if it's just the four division winners or if you do right. four division winners and four wild card winners, you'd have eight from each side make it. Um, it. It would be a lot, but it'd be interesting to break some things up too. I think, I think some teams would get a break by getting out of their current division. Other teams obviously would probably be frustrated having to stay with some teams. Um, I'm very intrigued though. I think the first domino to fall was Oakland buying 49 acres of land, Mitch. And yep. I think once that move is made, I think it's all but inevitable that, you know, we're, we're in, in line for expansion here. I was, I was torn. I thought about maybe adding one to Salt Lake city in Utah. You know, they've mm. shown of pictures. I think I sent that to you the other day. Yeah. Uh, also thought about Virginia beach. I, I saw that Virginia beach is the most populated area in the country without a professional sports team. That's that, crazy. That, it, it's extremely crazy in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean that I actually enjoyed doing this. I'll have to see sure. what, what the listeners and the viewers thought about it out there. But I mean, I, Hey man, I, I printed out the whole map with teams on it. I was nice. Yes. Everything writing everything down but yeah i mean it was uh, i'm intrigued to see what happens that's the exact map that i was referencing the entire time uh when doing my research here and, and so where do you guys think a baseball, a baseball franchise should be expanded to should it be charlotte should it be nashville should it be montreal should it be uh, uh canton ohio essentially uh uh i know you guys would you guys could build up thurman munson and uh get a team back there that'd be funny uh obviously you know you guys, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Uh, Mitch, what's the fact of the day? Mitch Spinell. There's no fact of the day again today. You know why? Because last time I didn't give you the fact of the day, the Cavs won. <laughs> Your fact of the day is the Cavs are winning game three tonight in New York. Donovan Mitchell's going off. The Cavs in five, baby. I'm, I'm holding you to that. Why? I, and I'm holding you to that. I'll see you next time, uh, next week, Mitch. And I'll thank you guys for listening to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show.